This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Death. <laughs> Son of a bitch! How'd you get so damn good at horseshoes? I don't know. Guess I'm just lucky. What the hell are you doing now? See you guys at dinner. It's the Lost Rewatch podcast here on Post Show Recaps Talk in Season 4, Episode 6, The Other Woman. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by Mike Bloom. And Mike, Benjamin Linus is free to roam about Eggtown. Can you believe it? And all the dinner rolls he can lay his grubby little mitts on. <laughs> that dude loves dinner rolls. Uh, uh, would you, would you want to bet he housed that entire bowl that Juliet brought over? If he's anything like me, the answer is yes. I love the way that that question gets answered in the episode, by the way, when she's like, I hope you like dinner rolls. I love uh, Michael Emerson saying, I do indeed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, of course, a Ben Linus way of just answering it in the oddest way possible. While you may or may not be holding a candle for a certain person. Mm-hmm. We have a, we have an interesting episode to get into, Josh. It was look at you, contest- look at you being polite. <laughs> We've yeah. got an interesting well, I, episode. Well, that's, that's the thing is that yeah. I think the most interesting part is, from my opinion, it's probably the most non-interesting episode of Lost that we've gotten into. For my money, of the episodes that we have seen and covered so far, this is the first one where I cannot find a single thing that I either love or hate. I feel like every other episode, there's either been something that I have just thrown my passion behind one way or the other. Here, I'm really ambivalent towards it. It really is nothing burger to electric burger loo, if you will. And so I'm excited to at least 
get into it because it really does feel like a unique unicorn of an episode of what we covered so far. Um, I feel a, a, a unicorn on the island that you're just finding in the middle of the jungle. Um, I feel like so just to like throw it to some feedback to begin with, uh, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick wrote in and asked, is this episode worse than fire plus water that this has been hotly debated in the post show recaps patron discord this past week. Um, I think for me, that's a relatively wild take, um, mm-hmm. but it's not good. And it's definitely lower tier on uh, in terms of my episodes of lost. I, I would say bottom five episodes we've seen so far. It's in, it's, in, it's in that conversation for me. I mean, my rankings are weird and they're not consistent. And uh, <laughs> sometimes like I do things to make a point. So I give like stranger in a strange land a 2.61 uh, and I gave further instructions at 2.6 I don't think this episode's worse than those. So I have to score it a little higher. Uh, mm-hmm. So like it, it puts me in a little strange position, but like I've been struggling with the episode score, Mike. And I think that you just clarified some stuff for me in terms of like, there isn't really anything that I, that I uh, like love about the, there, there may be things I hate. It's possible. It's possible that there are a couple of things that I really, really dislike about this episode. And we'll, we'll talk about those when we get there. But I think that this comment from Jim Fells maybe sums it up best for me, Mike. This is from Jim who writes in the other woman is entertaining, but it's also the closest thing lost has to a disposable episode. It seems to only exist to explain why the freighter crew members were carrying gas masks. Harper is never mentioned again. Ben will never mention Juliet again. And it's after that scene, the Tempest is the only Dharma station that won't ever return. The episode also sets up a mystery twice now of Ben somehow giving orders while imprisoned. It's just a bit off. I think that that is it for me, Mike. This episode, mm-hmm. not only disposable, but also just a little bit off. Like, this feels like an odd episode of the show. And if not for, like, the revelation of the Charles Widmore involvement, I would say that you could probably just completely get rid of this episode entirely. Yeah, and that's why I compare it to maybe the other nothing burger of an episode in The Glass Ballerina, which I guess does have those moments of sun shooting Colleen and the whole Jay Lee affair. But I feel like similarly, if you take that away, it's nothing of consequence and it's a not very good, but not absolutely bottom of the barrel episode, in my opinion. I know that there are elements of this episode that people take great offense to. I'm sure we'll talk out. It's personally fine to me, but I'm sure we'll get into it. I mean, this episode is sort of, for lack of a better term, a gas leak episode in a manner of speaking. They could be like, yeah, remember that time that Juliet had an affair with Goodwin? Yeah. All right. Moving on. It really did feel like for whatever reason, I know that the episode order was truncated due to the writer strike of it all. I wonder, had they had the entire season in mind, does the other woman get scrapped or does something get changed where maybe the Tempest or the gas mess get brought into another thing? Because the, the odd thing, yeah, the odd thing about this episode is in a show that is as canonical as lost, where sometimes even the most throwaway episodes bear fruit down the line. This is really one that doesn't have it doesn't really it doesn't really yeah. it, it, it maybe proves the point that Daniel and Charlotte uh, specifically are more on the side of 815 than someone like Miles, who is trying to extort Benjamin Linus. That's going to be something that maybe bears a little bit fruit and that. I mean, the the major thing to, that is such a sticking point, I think, for a lot of people is the whole storyline of Ben being in love with Juliet, considering to Jim's point and something we brought up in the beginning of the end that 
they never see each other again in the timeline of this show. I will say I went into this episode with maybe a fundamental differing viewing of the flashbacks where I do wonder if you look at these flashbacks, not necessarily from Ben is in love with Juliet as much as Ben has a problem with possession that may allow you to not only obscure your vision when it comes to that He's very an incel. He's an incel. Benjamin Linus is an incel. Uh, and this episode <laughs> canonizes that. You know, he has this whole, you're mine, roar that he roars at her. It's interesting to me. Uh, I've talked about the show Evil a couple of times that mm-hmm. Michael Emerson is on. Um, and his character who, like, makes Ben Linus seem like the nicest guy ever is, like, a really disgusting, disturbed individual with really no redemptive qualities at all. And so far, no attempt at any. Um, and he has a story arc that is involving an incel like a like a like a kid who thinks that he is like owed women and all of this stuff uh and watching those episodes when i watched evil was part of the thing that like helped me sort of like calibrate that about about ben who is like Mm. you know in arrested development he gets shot as a kid he gets taken to the cave you know the to the temple he gets imbued with perverted he he gets perverted uh like whatever like dark thing is imbued within him that's exacerbating like a lot of the dark stuff that's around his his circumstances as a human being as a young human we don't know what happened to annie we've speculated on some potentially dark stuff that's happened to annie but we know that this is a guy who has felt that he has been owed so much more from life that he, you know, committed genocide, that he wiped out the Dharma initiative. Um, so for, for me, the way that he treats Juliet and the way that he is going to interact with her in this episode is disgusting and ugly and really awful to watch and maybe a little difficult to square up with the version of Ben that you really want to like. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the point. I think it might be a big misstep um, to a certain degree from, from the writers. But for me, it's part of my, uh, you know, ultimate read of Ben Linus. I think it, it, mm. it helps to like add another uh, underlining of this guy as like, he's not a good guy. Ben is a bad guy. Ben is a bad guy who like eventually is going to go on and do some of the right things from time to time. Uh, And apparently he's good enough to get like the Hurley, like five star Yelp review in the afterlife. (laughs) Um, But like he can't move on. And that suggests like a lifetime of baggage that at the very least, if you want to call it progress, he's able to meditate on. And like, I'm not ready to go yet because I lived a horrible life and I thought that I was owed stuff and I did terrible things and it was wrong. And like, good. I'm glad that you're saying that. But like, I don't know. Redemption. Is that in the cards? Am I supposed to like really like you? Is that in the cards? And I think that this episode uh, makes it in many ways challenging to like Ben. But I think it's also kind of like you don't have to like Ben the human to like appreciate the character and to appreciate like what he represents and the things he he goes through um, and the things that he he does to people like he is a very essential flavor for this show. Um, but I think all of that is really laid bare in this episode in probably a way that's like unfortunately fairly sloppy and like in the midst Mm. of this episode that is otherwise just sort of you know shoulder shruggy um so it's it's it it feel like it fits oddly within this episode because it is not a nothing thing to have ben acting the way that he's acting towards juliet i think it's within character i think it makes sense this is the guy who wanted to brand juliet back in stranger in a strange land that is a canonical episode as well uh so this i and i know that we talked about this a little 
little bit back then as well. Um, I think that this is something that fits on that spectrum. It's uncomfortable and it sucks and it's bad. And maybe the show would be better without this stuff. Probably the show would be better without this stuff because they don't handle it particularly well. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like the read on the character, I think unfortunately it lines up. Yeah. And I think that watching Ben become so possessive also informs the danger that lies inherent in the ending that you just played in the opening there, which I actually enjoy. I know it's not as much of a revelatory ending as some of the ones that we've recently experienced. Cute, but not I think, hot, I'd say. Yeah, but I think it's not ugly. I think it reminds us of the danger that comes. We've seen a submissive Benjamin Linus for the first six episodes of this season, essentially the first half of season four. Now he's on the loose. That's not a good thing, because as we just see in this episode, Benjamin Linus has the power to send men off to their deaths because he is that vindictive and jealous when they are playing with his toys. Yeah, essentially, it really creates this this looming sense of threat, not only from the freighter itself, but now from someone on the inside of, okay, we had the, 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 the leader of the others on the ropes. And now for one reason or another, he is walking free. He is going to dinner. He's being treated like a regular person as he begs John lock and that's not great that's rather scary and like you said that's going to turn out to maybe take more of a turn than you realize there could be a different world where ben just goes completely back into big bad territory they seem to ignore that in favor of this quote-unquote redemption arc but i do think at least this episode reminds us and sets up this idea of benjamin linus might be chained up at the moment but we saw all the way back in season two, how even when he's captured, he can have the upper hand. And when he has both the upper hand and the ability to walk free, problems happen. Anyway, with all of that said, Mike, uh, let us go forth into the jungle. Let's talk about this episode, The Other Woman, uh, directed by Eric Lenevu. I've always, I think we've said this before that I'm, I always feel like I'm going to say this name wrong. Uh, Drew Goddard and Christina M. Kim wrote this episode originally aired March 6th, 2008. Yeah. Which I believe we uh, nearly just missed the 13 year anniversary of this episode yeah, on, the, on the day this is being posted. Yeah, we are, uh, we are a day away for, from that. So uh, congratulations. We're really uh, just running up to that season four schedule right now. It's very exciting. Yeah, and it feels like considering the schedule that we're recording this at feels very rushed as well. So I think we're really feeling that season four pulse a little bit. All right. So we we begin with this scene that once again, and I think that this is another thing that I don't love about this episode. I think it like has like a weird tone at the start. It feels like it's once again trying to do that trick of like. We're not on the island. Ah, yeah, we are. Uh, uh, yeah, then the, the I guess Ben has kept other tenor in a way that he does what Bruce Kanagai could never do, maintain a Zen rock garden in the course of an island environment. Yeah, so it's like she's in the room, she's waiting, clock is ticking, and in walks Harper. Let's meet her. Sound number one. Hello. I'm sorry I'm late. You must be Dr. Burke. Juliet. Juliet. I'm Harper Stanhope. Please sit. Today is just a meet and greet so that we can get to know each other. Please don't take this the wrong way, but I I really don't think I need therapy. How about we call it talking instead of therapy? Okay, good. Let's talk. So you've been here a week? And what's your least favorite part so far? 
I don't like being treated like a celebrity. And is that surprising? You're big news right now. Yes, I know. I guess I don't like being the center of attention. It makes me feel isolated. Alone. Well, maybe you feel that all eyes are on you. But you're not a celebrity. And soon enough you'll realize that you're no different than anyone here. Oh, I know. I never meant that I... Yes. Harper, I'm sorry for the interruption. I know you don't like me busting in, but never will I see the doc. Uh, she's all yours, Tom. It was nice talking to you, Juliet. Welcome to the island. Ed Harper is a piece of work. <laughs> but you give her a week, she'll have you crying about your daddy. I'm speaking from personal experience here. <laughs> Welcome to your humble abode. This is for me? The whole house? You're here to help us with some very important research, Juliet. We pulled out all the stops. Two bedrooms, two baths, washer, dryer, fresh linens, a well-stocked fridge. Oh, and I know you love the opera. You have all the classics on CD. Seriously, you shouldn't have gone to all the trouble. I'm only going to be here for six months. Right, of course, but we want you to feel at home. Harper sucks. Harper sucks. Harper sucks. Yeah, one of the worsts, you know, just a bad character. Bad character. Yeah. Uh, a bad uh, representation of therapy, just sort of very tropey mm-hmm, therapy. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And also, people, not all therapists are like this, right? Josh and I, very much positive on the idea of therapy. It, it accomplishes so much in your personal well-being. Not, not all not therapists. For, not for everybody, for sure. But like in this, like, oh, I don't know. Like th- this is a bad, bad representation. Uh, and also beyond that, unfortunately, there there is the fact that like, really shitty therapists do exist too and it's triggering on that front having experienced some yeah Uh, what i will (laughs) say though is that i do think especially later on you can almost excuse some of harper's behavior for oh she knows that juliet's been cheating on you know her cheating with her husband not yet at this point exactly the the fact that that's what matters this is their first meeting and she is still so so cold and standoffish she has that that really stupid comment of oh don't worry you know eventually people won't recognize you as a celebrity they're no they'll realize that you're no different from the rest of them it's just so stupidly passive aggressive it also is interesting if we are charting the fact that Juliet does not make it off the island. She ends up dying on the island. Maybe there are a couple of clues being dropped here, Josh. Maybe I'm reading into it a bit much, but Juliet talking about how much she doesn't like being treated like a celebrity and being the center of attention. Maybe screams a bit in our faces in retrospect of, oh, she's clearly not one of the Oceanic Six, considering the attention that they're getting as much as we saw in Eggtown recently. Well, I think that one of the things that's happening in season four is like you can you can start the process of like ruling out certain members of the Oceanic Six. Like 
if we're doing a flashback episode for Juliet here, which I think is yet another reason why maybe this episode lands with a thud. It's a, it's a very straight flashback after the constant too. you know, really high bar Mm -hmm. to have to, to measure up to. And it just doesn't do it. Um, I feel like uh, you're, you're ticking people off the list and Juliet. Now, like you get the sense, like, well, she's probably not leaving. Otherwise, wouldn't we be doing some sort of flash forward? Isn't there a more interesting story? Like this feels in a way like the worst of those uh, worst season three episodes. Like I think that there is a reason for me why I kind of think about this along the same lines as Stranger in a Strange Land or further instructions of like, you know, not necessarily massively additive, not necessarily massively groundbreaking, kind of just like you know, like your third flashback slump that a lot of these characters find themselves in. This is where it happens for Juliet. Yeah. Well, I should also mention that apparently this is the only episode of season four that utilizes the traditional flashback structure. Because if you think about it, of the episodes that do have flashbacks, you have Confirmed Dead, which is from the perspective of multiple characters. You have The Constant, which, as we talked about, is far from ordinary. Meet Kevin Johnson is essentially just going to be one long flashback episode. And then even something like Cabin Fever is not necessarily a through-line narrative, just random snatches of John Locke's life. So this really is a distinct episode in season four in that it feels like the first, quote-unquote, proper episode of Lost from a structural perspective but it feels like we've already moved on we've done this we've done this so it's like it's just not very exciting uh it it doesn't feel especially ambitious and i think like you're in a place where like you're kind of expecting ambition right now which is why i think when you encounter this episode it's like very clearly the weakest of the episodes we've seen in season four so far like i don't think that that's even a little bit close um it is fun to see mc ganey back as mr friendly with a stash nonetheless i love the stash the stash looks great uh i i always laugh when ben says oh you know you love the opera well we've got everything on cd for you uh, and it's like lost is over and uh we had to go back and as we went back we found that the show hasn't aged uh badly at all it's been it holds up pretty well but if we do this again in 10 years are we gonna have like a whole hot mess of listeners being like i don't even know what a cd is let alone i don't own any anymore we well, barely I mean- own them now that being said, they probably would have tuned out as soon as the first scene in season two when Desmond puts on a vinyl record, right? You know, the Lost reboot, Mike, where like record players are like the like the cool, oh my God, sort of like antique hotness. Uh, that's going to be just like uh, like a boom box in, a, in an underground station. Is what you're Ooh, do get. you think uh, maybe there's an extra scene in the other one where Ben holds up a boot box of Vivaldi <laughs> outside Juliet's yeah, window to get her to so. come to him? I think so. All right. So back on the beach, Juliet's trying to put up her tent. She needs some. And, I, and I do like this. I do like the symmetry between this most recent flashback scene and this scene where essentially in both scenes, Juliet's asking this of Ben. And now the Quans are asking this of Juliet of you're going to leave anyway. Why make yourself so comfortable? And I think in both instances, the implication is because you're not going to be leaving. And I yeah. think that's another sign in retrospect, again, of Juliet staying put on the island until her death, that maybe subconsciously she's still making a home for herself right now. To a certain extent, yeah. Um, so Charlotte and Dan are missing uh, with all of their stuff. They're totally gone. And Jin saw them go into the jungle and he didn't bring it up. Uh, as he says to Jack, he's like, uh, you said they're, they're our friends. 
So yeah, you even, uh, even had a nickname for him. He's Dan, right? That's Dan, right? Uh, I'm Dan Day Kim. Um, and so <laughs> and so they form up a little search party. They go off into the jungle because they may not be friends. This is one of the questions right now. They're not entirely sure. Even Jack at this point is like, eh, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. Um, so they go in. Juliet hears the whispers in the pouring rain and suddenly Harper is there. And once again, Mike, we've got this connection between whispers and others. And uh, so like, how do you reconcile that up with like the whispers are the ghosts who couldn't move on is Harper well, dead like what's going okay. on okay yeah let me throw something out here Let, let's pull out the meme Josh is Harper the smoke monster oh yeah yeah so let, let me let me <laughs> I let guess me it big, has been a minute since we've done this one <laughs> let, let me big brain this for a second no I, I I think I have a sense of where you're going and I'm I'm I I like it I'm I, I yeah lay it out because I'm pretty sure I know where you're going and I like it so man in black would love the ability to gas the island once more, much like the purge, right? Because that purges the island of all these candidates, which is one of the man in black's mission statements. Charlotte and Daniel are on their way. They're trying to stop to, it. They're trying to stop it. And man in black exactly. might be like, hey, this is a long shot. This is a reach. This is probably not the loophole, but like, why not give it a roll? <laughs> exactly. Like, why not sort of use reverse psychology yeah. on Julia? Make her, make her believe that actually they're there to release the gas. So then she prevents the gas from being released, but uh-huh. therefore actually triggering the gas from being able to be released. Yeah, Again, it's a, it. it's a big brain thought, but I think I like, I like that a lot more than, here's Harper she's I guess she was with Richard Alpert and the others that abandoned Ben she appears for a hot second and then disappears like the wind I right. like this explanation much better than that yeah and also like uh, uh, Damon and Carlton uh, during their uh, New York Comic Con appearance answering the question that I had asked via Josh Horowitz talked about the whispers as like being connected to the others and connected to the smoke monster and the ghost and so like all of those things are sort of intermingled so canonically there may be a, a version of this where that is what they were thinking even though the smoke monster really only appears in christian shepherd form this season in addition to classic smoky um but that being said also the other thing that i thought that you were going to go for is that we know that ben can like summon the smoke monster or at least that's mm. how he interprets it from his house is there a world in which like smoky mcsmokerton is just like hanging out in the air vents in the basement <laughs> watching ben uh you know whether or not he's communicating with ben and like doing it in that sort of whispery way that maybe ben communicates with this thing uh and so uh harper is coming to juliet with um you know uh, as the smoke monster with some of that stuff i think it's fun i'm i'm not mad at it i love the idea of the smoke monster of the man in black being like all right so i've been working on this loophole uh (laughs) and i can't kill the candidates but can i convince juliet to kill the people that would that are trying to stop the gas from killing everybody. And then like, if that happens, is everyone going to die? And then I can leave. Like, I don't think it's going to work, but what am I doing? It's Thursday. Exactly. It's my 500,000 Thursday in a it's, row. It's, it's season four. I'm really not I'm doing bored. much at this point. <laughs> I'm bored. Uh, so I, I think that's great. And then also it implies that Harper is deceased. 
Uh, yeah, which is great. That's a win-win, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I could, I, I would wonder how she would go in that situation, but I don't think we really need to dote on Smoke it. Monster took her out. Smoke Monster got bored. Smoke Monster took her out on the hike to the temple. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the dark one would be that her, after the loss of her husband, Harper becomes right, right, suicidal right, 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 and right. things get really, really dark there. But either way, I know, and I actually do believe that I do think Darlton said that Harper was alive, but that. I, li- I think this is much more fun than that. Let's hold up the moth. This is a smoke monster. Canonize it for down the hatch. Harper, smoke monster confirmed. Harper comes to Juliet and is just reading Juliet for filth, right? Like, oh, hey, Juliet. And Juliet's like, oh, God, Harper. Ugh. Uh, Harper gives her the message about what Faraday and, and uh, Charlotte are up to. And Jack is there to, to witness like the tail end of this conversation of like Ben's exactly where he wants to be. Which um, is interesting because that's exactly what Miles told Kate in Eggtown. So now we have two people that really like the barracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of this stuff just doesn't feel, I don't know, whatever. Uh, so Jack shows up. Harper leaves, whispers her back as she vanishes into thin air, but has uh, left with uh, some some marching orders for Juliet. So that's Harper. How about we go back in time, another flashback, and meet Harper's better half. Goodwin. Okay. I was just looking for some gauze. I didn't know anyone was here. How'd you manage that? I, um... I, I work over at the power station. I was pressed up against a transformer. Take a seat. Let me take a look at it. You're Burke, right? The baby doctor. What gave me away? I heard we lost Henrietta this morning. It's okay, Eddie. It's not your fault. Pregnant women are dying on this island. I was brought here to help fix that. So whose fault is it? Believe me, no one expects you to fix it overnight. anyone to talk to? Any friends here? Maybe Harper. Harper hates me. We only talk because we have to. I get the feeling that she's a mean and spiteful person. She's my wife. She's your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, don't worry I about think... it, really. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, Kara. You're set. Much obliged, ma'am. Hey, I know this place can wear on you, but if you need to talk, I'm around. Good to know. Oh, um, if you promise not to tell your wife what I said about her, I won't tell anyone that you lied about how you hurt your arm. I know a chemical burn when I see one. Got a deal. Uh, by the way, 
good one. Juliet. We should also mention that Juliet was recently mourning the loss of yet another dead mother, Henrietta, which I don't know about you, Josh, but the name Henrietta to me always brings to mind the image of a chicken. Yeah, so damn. unfortunately, it just makes me think that a poor chicken had died. And yeah. that's who Juliet so is crying over. So much chicken death in this season of Lost. Yeah, we have, but we moved on to rabbits in real time. Yes, that's right. Uh, look at Goodwin and Juliet, their chemical burn romance. Uh, <laughs> I love that band. Yeah, good, good show that they put on. Um, I, I really love Goodwin. I just like Brett Cullen a lot, and it is, mm-hmm. it is nice to have an excuse to see him again here. Do we see him again? Is this no, it? I, I do believe this. Is, I don't think he shows up in season six, yeah. so I think this might be Goodwin's final bow. Yeah, uh, you know, and so like that's that's great, and um, you know, one of the things that I do appreciate about this episode, as it pertains to Juliet specifically, not that we like necessarily needed it. In fact, we didn't, but it's here, and because it's here, and we're evaluating it, one of the things I do think it does is just like makes her time on the island even sadder. She had, yes. no, she had like she had nobody. The closest thing that she had is this guy whose life was also very sad he's in this um uh loveless marriage right where like he he's too like locked in to get out harper doesn't seem to really you know i don't know the 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 whole thing seems really murky and could be the subject of a totally different show and they really don't pay it too much mind but this is the person that juliet is closest to on the island in, and it's like built on this moment of deception too. It's just sad. It's it's you know yeah. it's it's definitely a, a you know this is a, it's a very depressing flashback, Mike. I mean, all of Juliet's flashbacks are incredibly depressing. We are three for three in that department, and I am I enjoy the idea at least of, of some of what this flashback is going for. I know that that people take umbrage. You know, Juliet was a perfect character up to this point. Now she's breaking up a marriage by sleeping with the husband. But I think it explores Juliet's character in an interesting way in that it is showing her flaws. Not to say that each and every character in Lost needs to have flaws, but I do feel like outside of that one kiss with Jack, we really haven't explored a lot of Juliet's emotional Side, at least not emotional in the realms of romanticism, more so in just the way that she reacts to all the turmoil and tragedy that went in her direction. And I think it's interesting that even when she does pursue something romantic, it's snatched away from her in a very tragic way due to unforeseen circumstances. And so while it is beating the same drum, I'm at least eager to see a different side of Juliet, a character that we sort of know up to this point, it's weird to say we only sort of know Juliet, but we've only have two flashback episodes from her. The entirety of season three, it was entirely up in the air who she was working for. Right. And so I think we're slowly finding out more about her warts and all. Yeah, for sure. Um, so back in the jungle, Juliet's like, all right, we got to go to the Tempest. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything more than that, though. I just need you to come with me. Jack's like, all right. Yeah, well, he <laughs> I mean, does, that's effectively what it boils down to. He, he does try to be like, no, you have to tell me what you're hiding. And she's like, no, please tell me. No, I don't. He's like, OK. All right, all right, fine. All right. Basically, he asks one question that he's like, all right, well, all she right, didn't answer okay. it. That's fine. I'll go with you. I'll just go. Uh, meanwhile, at the creek, uh, you know the one. It's the creek. Yeah. Unlike the lagoon that Charlotte turns up in that we'll never see again. This yeah. is a this sanctioned is, landmark. This is the creek. Uh, and Dan and Charlotte, they're they're talking like, can we do this? Are we going to be able to pull it off? And Kate comes along. She's like, do what? 
pull off what? Hey, what's up uh, with uh, all these gas masks you got? And Charlotte's like, yeah. uh, stop asking questions. And she's just like, knocks uh, Kate out. Bad, bad look on Charlotte in this episode where she lies. Oh, yeah, the sat phone has ran out of juice, so we're going to go get batteries. When in the front pocket, right in front of Kate, is the sat phone with you, the green light on. You know I hate this thing. You know, this is yeah. this is this is like one of those, like, you know how much I love Lost, but you also, you know, it's been a minute since we've we've been here, Mike, but like this is the kind of thing where I know that like you didn't care for Charlie knocking out Desmond. Uh, I really, even after watching, like, or, I don't remember how I felt at the time on this most recent <laughs> rewatch. I can tell you how I feel right now. It's like the whole like lock knocked out Saeed thing. Like yeah. it's just, it's so tropey. It's just so overdone. Uh, so Charlotte, like knocking out Kate rather than being like, Oh, well we're going to this station that has nerve gas that we need to shut off. Otherwise everyone is going to die. Will you come with us and help? Exactly. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Kate come and help? She, and especially because it's not like she's coming. I mean, I guess she did and like come literally from the barracks, like if you if you don't trust us, how about you have a gun on us the entire time? And so you can be in control. But like, we have to go right now. Like anything, anything other than just like knocking Kate out, which is just I don't know. It's just very a very whatever decision. Yeah, I mean, this feels like Charlotte in a nutshell a bit is that there, it's a little impetuous. I think Dan would absolutely do that, especially considering the relationship that he's trying to ploy with Jack's side of 815 of, hey, I'm your buddy. I'm going to tell you everything, which I'm sure it's it's eating Faraday up inside that he wasn't able to be forthcoming with Jack about all this in case they were going to be stopped. But it does seem like Charlotte is like, oh, crap. Well, we're not doing a very good job lying. So I guess the butt of my gun is going to answer her questions. But yeah. I agree. I, th- I think it's become tropey at this point in Lost. Um, all right. So back in the jungle, Jack's like, so tell me about that person we saw. Was that the smoke monster? Uh, he doesn't ask that. Uh, it's she was my therapist. Jack goes, you guys have therapists? Juliet says, yeah, it's very stressful being an other, uh, which is probably my favorite line of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other, other than maybe I do indeed. It's hard out here for an other. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much like the motto of this episode. I also like the, the mention of the file again, which we'll actually see later in this episode where Julia basically says, yeah, Jack, you wouldn't want to look at my file. And Jack, I mean, if Jack looked in the file, he'd actually find some very, actually, he'd be pretty pissed at her, right? Considering everything with Sarah, he'd be like, oh, oh, wait, you broke up a marriage. This gets me boiling again back to what happened with Sarah. Uh, so we have a flashback here where Juliet is with Ben working through, you know, the problems that she's been uh, brought here to solve. Uh, with the, everyone who's dying when they're pregnant. This whole thing is just a disaster. And she's talking through the science of it. And Ben, meanwhile, is just like looking at her and like, you, mm. can, you can basically hear lady in red. Like you can see yeah. like oh, the heart. Yeah. yeah, you can see the hearts in his eyes. The hum and a hum and a hum and a, which is just terrible. Um, Goodwin, Goodwin shows up, Mike. He's got a spare egg sandwich with Juliet's, uh, sorry, egg salad sandwich with Juliet's name on it. Yeah, I wonder if these were the last two eggs in Ben's refrigerator. And that's what really sent Ben over yeah, the edge. Like, I have to kill, I'm going to have to kill that guy. Uh, egg salad on rye. Uh, oh, God. No wonder Ethan gave it up. I'm not a fan of egg salad. Sounds like a pretty disgusting sandwich, especially in like a temperate climate like the island. I'm not a big egg salad person myself. Um, Juliet goes to therapy. It goes sour quickly. Uh, Harper's like much, much like that egg salad sandwich. Assumingly, yeah. Harper's like, oh, hey, Juliet. So you're blinking my husband, huh? And Juliet's like, 
um, if I say no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she starts by being very passive aggressive with talking about Ben. You know, she says that Ben is very smart, intelligent, challenging. And Harper just shrugs off saying, oh, you look just like her. So here's a big question, Josh. Are we to assume is that a reference to Annie? Was there another woman in Ben's life? No, I would think it tracks that it's Annie. You know, I think that it's Annie. And then like whatever reason why Annie is not there anymore, depending on like your degree of darkness that you want to go into. We've sketched out some possibilities. So, so Harper does confront Juliet to your point. And I'm not, I'm going to give kudos to Juliet here for not refuting it. She does not ref- deny the accusation, which is something. And we'll see later on that Julia does actually intend to, to at least yeah. somewhat break up the affair. I think more so the blame there lies on Goodwin, who refuses to do so. But Julia could have very much lied up and down the, those very nicely decorated walls about how, of course, she's not carrying on with her husband. And maybe this also shows that maybe there was some guilt eating up Juliet inside. Like that, an egg sandwich, an egg salad sandwich. Exactly. And uh, really making her feel into in both cases that this is something that feels quote unquote wrong yet it is right for her so I can imagine that there at least from what we know and assume of Juliet there is certainly a part that she felt bad about this despite not liking Harper she probably does pity her at some point yeah Harper's so mean um Harper 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 is is weird Mike Harper's odd dare I say Harper's bizarre (laughs) <laughs> or Harper's, Harper's Island? Harper's, is that, is, is that the, the name of the CBS show? <laughs> Harper's Island? This is Harper's Island. Harper's Bazaar. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> Was that your Duncan's toy chest of the week? Yeah, I think. Well, we'll see. It's still, the night is young. But uh, say what you want to about Harper. <laughs> she is accurate in her predictions where she basically threatens Juliet saying, listen, I don't care exactly what you're doing, but just so you know, there are going to be consequences. And this is not coming from me, the embattered housewife. This comes from the fact that Ben is making goo goo eyes at you and he's going to get real jealous the more you carry on with my husband. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't like that. Uh, So she's like, yeah, you listen, I don't really care. You're going to get this dude killed. Joy's like, oh, I never really thought about that. Maybe, and you know, at this point, like maybe, like hasn't really seen the true extent of of that stuff. But yeah, I, don't know. I do wonder if it's a thing where Ben has maybe obscured her the from more some of the more time. Though we spend with all of the other tin stuff, you know, like the harder some of that is to believe. You know, like they kidnap people. She's shoot. She's going to be comfortable shooting Danny. You know, like mm. I think the more time we spend trying to like dimensionalize what life was like with the others like the harder it is to like kind of reconcile with everything else like it it is it's just very complicated i think you need to look at the hair oddly enough i think there's a really fun through line through the flashbacks where juliet and maybe this is to your effect of the the duping they try to do in the first flashback of this episode they start juliet off with the curly miami hair But as the flashbacks go along, her hair gets straighter and straighter. So maybe that is a representation of the conditioning that she undergoes. The fact that she is beaten down and she has gone straight with the others that she ends up becoming the person that we see at the beginning of season three. Yeah. Um, All right. So she's been warned. Uh, Meanwhile, at the barracks, let me just roll out the red carpet for Claire. Because uh, Claire comes in and she's like, hey, uh, Locke, question for you. Um, maybe we should talk to Miles. Huh? 
maybe. Don't you think maybe we should take the grenade out of that guy's mouth and actually try and have a conversation with him? Because apparently I don't know what you're talking about. I gave him breakfast. You know, because uh, like maybe, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're we're being kind of rude to this guy. Like, is it possible? Is it just possible that we should talk to this guy? Because I know what Charlie said. Believe me, I've been thinking about him. I know I'm not showing it. I've got a lot going on, John. But maybe just maybe we are kind of hostile if we are stuffing people's mouths with grenades and saying, enjoy your breakfast. Uh, and yeah. Locke's like, huh. you know, when you put it that way, uh, you maybe have a point. Claire is team carrot right now. Team Claret. And John has been the stick at the moment. A very, very hard, firm stick. And so I agree. Claire sounds absolutely reasonable right now. You talked about this at Eggtown. I think we could still have our druthers about the fact that she really doesn't get a moment to reconcile her feelings about Charlie. But as much as we bemoan the fact that she has quickly moved on, the person that Claire is right now is, is pretty damn competent, pretty logical, and is one of the sole remaining voices that I think is able to get into John Locke's ear, someone that he respects and admires considering the relationship that they have. So yeah, she's coming in here with complete sense and even able to throw Charlie's so, um, point back in his face. Among the most sensible characters in this episode, she's going to be getting an MVP point from me for this. Uh, John Locke, who uh, I don't have enough LVP points to go around, will not be getting one from me, but maybe would because he's just like, uh, Claire, I'm going to do whatever I want. Uh, don't talk to me, Claire. Let me let me do what I'm thinking. We got the prisoner. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he's going to go and talk to Ben and he is going to allow Ben to bend Locke's ear uh, and uh, the negotiations between these two men are about to resume as Locke pays Ben a visit. Rabbit today? I want another chickens. This didn't have a number on it, did it? What? Eat, change, put your laundry dishes by the door. I'll be back to collect them in 15 minutes. So has a revolution begun yet? Or? What are you talking about? Oh, you're the leader now. I know it's a tough position. You have to deal with all those people constantly second-guessing your decisions. And it always starts out so innocently, doesn't it? A question here, a comment there. And then if you're not careful, you find you have a full-blown insurrection on your hands. Believe me, your people are going to be so angry when they realize you still don't have a plan. And I assume you have a plan. I always have a plan. Does it involve you raising $3.2 million? That's a lot of money. Wait. Maybe this will get you started. Put your laundry and dishes by the door. I can help you, John. We have shared interests. Or at least a common enemy. And that would be our friends on the freighter. Not them. The one they work for. Let me out of here. Give me some semblance of freedom. Let me sleep in a bed and eat with utensils. And I give you my word, I'll tell you everything you want to know about yeah, the But see, there's the, the problem. I don't trust your word. All right, then. 
guess I'll have to show you. So this is my favorite part of the episode, which again doesn't say much about this episode because it's a, it's a fairly you know standard lock Ben scene, but as per usual, it's strong. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. That's why I, I pulled the clip. Kind of forgettable in the grand scheme of things, but in this episode, it's like, oh, glad to have you here. You know, this is like, yeah. If it, if this is a drift, uh, this is like Sawyer swimming out in the ocean and finding like a little piece of wreckage to to plop himself on top of. Like, yeah, that's so what I feel pull, like. So we can pull the bullet out of our shoulder. That is uh, the rest of this episode, because again, it shows that even though Locke is in Ben's house, which I do find convenient as well, this episode I feel like calls back a lot to the man from Tallahassee. And here Locke is previously calling Ben and the others frauds and Pharisees and hypocrites for living in a house and making fresh food and everything like that. And here Locke is doing the exact same thing, but Ben is still able to to get one over on him through the use of information. And I do love Ben's taunting here. I, I know this is the sixth episode in a row, basically, of him doing it, but I still can't get enough of it. Ben as a little weasel is so great when he's basically saying, yeah, you know, it's it's only a matter of time that people are going to overthrow you. He obviously has no idea, I think, exactly what undermining is happening. I guess he assumes maybe with the, the Kate and Miles stuff that clearly there is some dissension among the ranks. But Locke turns out he knows about Miles's offer. Uh, I'm not sure who told him about that, but I guess we get the answer as to does Ben get that dollar for the bet that they made? He gets it right here. Yeah. Um, you know what I really love about this scene is uh, the implication that after everything, Mike, it was John Locke who killed the rabbit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the at the end of it all, he just brutally skinned it, served it up to Ben. What if what if Locke lied? What if this was one of Ben's prized numbered bunnies that he was eating right there? Uh, I don't know if it's a lie so much as like maybe he didn't even pay attention to it or think about it. But I, I absolutely believe that he did. You know, I, yeah. I don't know where else he gets the bunny from. Yeah. And who's to say that Ben doesn't just gleefully dig into it anyway? He doesn't care. It was just more yeah. of a formality of, he, oh, OK, interesting. Well, he's killed he anyway. all of the rabbits. He's making cassoulet. It's very tasty, <laughs> but everyone feels a little bad about it because they liked these guys. They were, you know, they were family once upon a time. But Ben, maybe you should have brought them with you when you were moving to the temple. Well, and considering that we saw back then in the day that he was willing to expend these rabbits to test out the electric fence before he tries to run away from home, I think it's very clear that Ben's mercy and feelings towards the rabbit kind only go so far. Yeah, I think that that's right. Um, anyway, so we flash uh, flash back again to a beach, but it's not our beach. It is this beautiful little beach that we've never really seen before, I feel like. On the Probably island. right outside the boathouse in that area that we never go yeah, to. Yeah, it does seem like maybe it's around there. That's a good poll. Uh, so Juliet and Goodwin on a date. Let's listen in. I hope this is good. I don't know much about wine. Swipe this off the sub. <laughs> all the time. I hate to have to be so 
What's the matter with being private? It's ridiculous. I've been sleeping on the couch for a year. Why am I not just telling her? I don't think it's a good idea. Why not? Ben wouldn't like it. That's what this is about? You're worried about Ben? Why, because he has a crush on you? You know? Come on, everyone knows. He follows you around like a puppy. <laughs> and you don't think that's a problem? Now, a little less than a kilometer from here, he has me working with chemicals. That could kill every man, woman, and child on this island if I flip the wrong switch. Trust me, Ben has enough on his plate. The last thing he cares about is you and me. I just get the feeling that he would be upset. What's Ben gonna do? Good one, you idiot! <laughs> you dumb, dumb idiot! What's he gonna do? You know Ben Linus! You dumb, dumb man! <laughs> I was not prepared. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for Mike just going ham, uh, which comes later. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you just talked about this, right? About how well, if you if you become another, especially if you're in the inner circle, you definitely have your eyes open to some of the stuff that Ben Linus is yeah. capable of. This is immediately in Benjamin Linus's wheelhouse. Yeah. She, I mean, like he probably knows that Benjamin Linus, I don't know, killed his dad right there in front of him he is absolutely 100% capable of doing something spiteful to you for getting involved yes, with the woman he has yeah, feelings for yeah but it's a worse look on Ben ultimately right because we then we then go we do the flashback we do the tale of two cities thing again now we see Harper is there we see like Goodwin giving a mournful look <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea that we just keep flashing back like I want to keep adding How people in many like that, times must well, we do like, it it's like the Matthew Fox starring movie vantage point where we're seeing things from all the different angles the exact same event yeah you know (laughs) vantage point i haven't thought about that in a minute uh dennis quaid uh underrated um the the whole thing is a little ridiculous but like it's worse on ben because as goodwin outlines it's like i'm the guy you know the poison gas guy that's me everyone needs one everyone's got one i'm the poison gas guy for the group uh, because we all know that, right? Like every friend group needs the poison gas guy. I got right, mine, exactly. you got yours. Uh, you know, we all got a poison gas guy, and so Goodwin's the poison gas guy for the others. Uh, the the PGG, and uh, he doesn't think like he's never gonna like do any. He can't fire me. You know, it is sort of this classic thing, right? Of like, ah, they can't fire me. I'm essential. I'm really like, without me, the whole thing. Oh, God, I've been fired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's sort of like, that's what's going on here. And Goodwin is well within his rights to be thrown off by it because it makes no sense. It is a terrible bureaucratic decision. This is like, let me see how many, like, how many, how few people can lift up this this outrigger and run with it into the ocean. Let's curtail our chances of success uh, so that we can save a buck. Uh, this is a very classic corporate story. Uh, and that is what's happening here with Ben, because this time it's purely out of spite. He just hates that uh, that this is what's going on with uh with with Juliet and Goodwin because Juliet you're mine uh freaking little incel stupid little overlord incel idiot uh (laughs) and he then gets everybody in this position 
where they're susceptible to poison gas death because he threw the poison gas guy at, at the tailies. What are you doing? Oh, I, think, I, I, I think a poison gas guy is, is uh, fairly easy to replace. Is the poison gas guy replaceable? I don't know. I mean, on this short notice, and it certainly doesn't seem like he replaced him. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he realized, yeah, nobody's going to access that except me. I'm the if only person that's fire, around. That that. If you're going to fire the poison gas guy, then you have to replace him immediately. That's not a position to fire without an immediate backup. Don't leave that one. <laughs> His job became redundant. Now, here's, no. a, here's a question. Do you think, because Goodwin in the other 48 days was, he was a sneaky little son of a bitch, right? He was, he killed Nathan. He, he was doing all these kidnapping things, tipping off the others. Do you think that Goodwin was partially so malevolent in his job because he felt bitter? He felt, hmm. you know, spite against Ben. And so that sort of maybe brought on a darker disposition. Or was it just that he was, you know, at this point, he'd worked on the island so much, got involved with Ben's stuff, as you talked about, that he's just really good at his job. That he doesn't yeah. mind snapping somebody's neck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is just very bad, Mike. Uh, the whole thing is just uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest with you and I'd like to think that I can be, the whole of thing is, is quite silly. Quite silly. <laughs> very, 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 very silly decision making from Benjamin Linus being like, uh, he hurt my feelings. I'm going to send our poison gas guy to death uh, at the yeah. at the risk of getting us all. I want to bring in this comment before I forget about it. It, it was posted in the Discord today from the great Eric Divestein, uh, who who said, "I imagine the podcast is going to delve into this when it's released." But I truly can't make sense of the other woman's main plot point. Why would Ben want to kill everyone on the island, including himself, by releasing toxic gas? And even if he did, he's not doing anything from captivity. Uh, and I think, Mike, uh, this this lends itself to the earlier point of uh, bust out the moth that Harper's a smoke yeah. monster. This is not I, Ben's I plan. Th this yeah, this episode is because it doesn't really make so sense because he would be dead too. He would be deceased right. as well. I, I guess in the moment, it really hints toward this idea of oh, Ben's so well connected. He has a guy on the boat. He has this videotape of Charles Widmore. Like, He's able to no... send someone to do his bidding. But but it, it really falls through in retrospect. Yeah, because there's no there's no way he would be able to communicate to Alex. Now put your gas mask on. There's poison gas coming. Like there's no version of this where this was his plan. So you can't. I I think like whether you buy into Harper's the smoke monster or whatever. Like I think. Uh, the idea that Ben wanted the gas to go off can't it doesn't it doesn't hold up uh, does not hold up uh, much like CDs 20 years from now when people are going back and watching Lost um, in the jungle Jack and Juliet find Kate Kate's like oh they knocked me out oh they've got masks and Juliet's all right let me go get you some water and Jack's like oh, are you okay Kate hey she's taking a really long time to get us the water oh my god she left Juliet <laughs> decided to go rogue yeah, so Jack turns his back for one second, and Julia abandons him. Maybe, maybe it's just that she saw him with Kate, and she said, "Oh no, I'm the other woman once more. I've got to leave this situation." She's gone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So meanwhile, at the barracks, uh, we're going to get probably, you know, this is this is sort of the essential scene of the episode. Like Mm -hmm. if if you're doing a quick watch of Lost or if like you don't want to watch every single episode, I do think you could basically skip this one. Um, Even as a first timer, I think you could probably skip this one as long as you watched this part, which is where John brings Ben into the TV room. Uh, He opens up the safe. He's got the Red Sox tape. Uh, I taped he, over it. Yeah, which is great. I love that. That it's a great representation of Ben. That he has so many tactics that he's just going to erase the one that he already used on Jack before to move on to completely something else. Yeah. So he's erased the Red Sox tape. He's taped over it. He shows Locke the tape. Very classic orientation film type stuff. Reviewing an old tape. Let us watch the tape. This is Charles Widmore. This is the man whose boat is parked offshore. This is the man that's been trying to find the island. people that had the misfortune to get caught. How does Widmore know about the island? I don't know, but he does. What does he want? John, three months ago in Gainesville, Florida, the Virgin Mary seemed to appear in a patch of mold on the side of an old housing complex. When the word got out, over 5,000 people came to see her face for themselves. You've survived an airline crash on this island. One minute you're in a wheelchair, the next minute you're doing jumping jacks. If 5,000 people came out to see a piece of mold, how many people do you think would come here to see you? Charles Whitmore wants to exploit this island and he'll do everything in his power to possess it. Everything I know about Charles Widmore is in this file. Some of it's vague, some of it's guesswork, some of it's concrete. But this is everything, and now it's all yours. I'm sorry I didn't tell you all this sooner. But it was the only bargaining chip I had left. There's one more thing I need to know. Your man on the boat. I want you to tell me who it is. All right. But you might want to sit down. And wait two episodes. Yeah, and Locke is like, we've established that I don't like to sit down, Ben. I like to stand <laughs> and run. Whoa. Speaking of that, Jim Fells brought up a really interesting point in his video that the music that plays in this scene is the exact same music that played 
when Ben and Locke were in the barracks last time and the man from Tallahassee in very different positions, uh, one of them was sitting down, in fact, when they were talking about the magic box to the point that it's so eerie, it plays at the exact same minute and second mark in both episodes. Ooh, this is like some uh, Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon bullshit. Exactly. If you some for some reason decide to watch the man from Tallahassee <laughs> and the other woman at the same, same time, time, you'll get to the exact same scene and exact same music sting at the same moment. That's incredible. That's really cool. Um, I I don't know. I, I I'm excited to like have this out on the table. Like when this happened, I think this was just like some theory confirmation of like it makes sense that this terrible guy that we've been, uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of like bobbing and weaving with in Charles Widmore is more involved. Uh, like it did feel like for a long time they were seeding this out. It feels to me like really, this is where you're going to drop that. Like, I guess like you have to like, uh, you got to put something in here, but it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, a little bit of like, uh, the balloon just like, you know, uh, fizzled out. Well, the balloon actually had a, a Widmore enterprises sticker on it too. So it makes yeah. it even more iconic. Yeah, I don't know. I actually think this reveal comes very interestingly in the episode that reintroduces us to Charles Winmore in season four. Yeah. So I actually, I actually think the writers do a good job of reminding us, especially those of us that did not catch up or uh, had, had forgotten after the long hiatus between lost seasons, who Charles Winmore was and how menacing he could be to be to say, hey, here's this guy. Remember the old rich bastard? He's the one that's looking for the island. But still, we have been, while trying to, quote unquote, lay his cards out on the table, it's still lying. Right. Yeah. When John when John asks, how does he know about the island? Ben says, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not like I personally kicked him off the island or anything years ago. I've never seen this man in my life. It's interesting to see that Ben is still even when he, he says he's being truthful, he is still manipulating things to still have some cards to play later on in the deck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're moving into it a little bit. Uh, cool to get bad guy Whitmore officially on board. Um, in the jungle, Jack and Kate, they're tracking Juliet. Jack asks why Kate stayed. Uh, and she, she tells him, uh, I needed to know if they knew who I am. Uh, and they do. And Jack's like, Ugh. and I give credit to Jack here for not like pushing in on it too hard. Like when he finds that out, like, I think, like, giving her a little space of, like, that's a lot to process. We'll figure, like, yeah. I think internally probably being like, we'll figure that out. But, like, oof, yeah, that's tough. Well, I think it also goes back to what we found that all the way back during Tabula Rasa about how Jack was, to a certain extent, okay with what Kate did before the island. And so I think he does sympathize a bit with her need to find out about this extremely important stuff that she could and will be possibly facing once she leaves the island. I think he's fine with that. As long as he's saying he's realizing like, okay, it wasn't about me. Great. That's totally fine. You do you happy to have you back. Yeah. Um, All right. So we go to the Tempest and this is the first and only time we will be here, which is surprising to me. And maybe it's because uh, like this, this episode is like a little bit of a dud and people are kind of like, you know, whatever uh, with, with this storyline. Um, but the location is stunning. I've actually mm-hmm. been here before. Oh, uh, it, it's uh Kualoa ranch. This is where they film so many of like the big sweeping Vista scenes, like the golf course, all that stuff. Trisha Tanaka. Um, there are these, uh, these like, 
for lack of better phrase, you know, hatches, bunkers in uh, built in the side of the of the mountains. These are remnants of uh, of World War Two, I believe. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure I, I may be getting that wrong. Um, but because so many movies and TV productions have filmed here, um, they have right now, or at least they did as of a few years ago when I was there. They like decked out, um, you know, the the this like little bunker like that the view is from right like when you're inside right. and you're looking out and you see Juliet with the with the ocean behind her um, it's like decked out as like this little tour of all of these like movie props and memorabilia there's a lost room it's really cool Ooh. there's like a little button you can push like it is it is sort of like the closest thing to a real swan station or Dharma station rather that you can you can get to even though it's like so cards up lost memorabilia they're not even trying to like you know do like an <laughs> ARG type of thing but it was just very very cool to, to be in that spot so I have a soft spot for this episode for seeing this particular image. Yeah, I do believe actually at the time they were filming this, there were still remnants because you said a lot of production film there. I believe they filmed Jurassic Park three. I want to say they ended up filming on that ranch as well. And I remember at the time, I think there was sight of like bones being left over to the point where people were saying, wait a minute, are there dinosaurs on Lost? I know there were polar bears, but are we going back in time? What the hell's going on here? And no, I think they just happened to, you know, Jurassic Park didn't clean up its trash necessarily. And a few scattered bones made their way into Lost proper. Totally. Uh, so it's cool to see, you know, I like seeing it, but uh, it's, you know, it is, it's just here. It's the Tempest. All right. So flashback. Let's, get out your dinner rolls it's time for a huge dinner party for two hi come on in sorry i have to get this ham out of the oven or it'll dry out please don't mind me how are you feeling by the way never better smells delicious I thought this was a dinner party. Just you and me. I guess I should have made that clearer. No, it's fine. I I hope you like dinner rolls. I do indeed. I want to thank you for how wonderful you've been with Zach and Emma. They're really sweet kids. They've been asking me about their mother in Los Angeles. I'm not really sure what to say. They'll stop asking in time. Their children. Do they really belong here? They're on the list, Juliet. Who are we to question who's on the list and who's not? Now that we have everyone on the list from the tail section, what about Goodwin? He's been undercover for three weeks. He's making a case for this woman, Ana Lucia. I think she'd be a valuable member of our society. But between you and me, I don't see it. He feels very passionately about her. Almost inappropriately so. After losing Ethan, it's a risk. Goodwin stays where he's at right now, Julia. There's no reason for him to hurry back, right? But his assignment will be over soon. I promise you. It'll be over because he'll be dead. Exactly. We, we'll get to that. But the music that plays during this woebegone dinner date is one of the classics. It's, it's an opera piece called Un Bel Divedromo 
which I guess is One Fine Day from Madam Butterfly. Was that on CD? So I'm assuming it was on CD, but it's a Puccini piece that actually has a lot of interesting meaning to what's going on here. So Madame Butterfly, or people might be used to the musicalized version Miss Saigon, uh, it's about a young Japanese girl whose American husband left her after they were only married for one night, and basically he has no intention to return. So kind of sounds in a similar situation, right? And with both Juliet and the outside world, as well as Juliet and Goodwin, where she thought she had a good thing going with him, and then he ends up leaving for basically forever. The first lines of the song, interestingly, go, One fine day, we will see, arising a strand of smoke over the far horizon on the sea. But probably the most interesting part of all of this, Josh, is we've actually heard this song before. We heard this song back during One of Us when we got our first taste of Goodwin and Juliet, and Juliet mm. got her first taste of ice cream. This was the scene where Juliet was sort of recovering from losing someone, one of the many mothers in surgery. She and Goodwin bond post-coitus. This song is in the background. And I love that choice because oh, it just shows disgusting. How, how freaking creepy Ben Linus is that he says, oh, I know you love this song, so I'm going to play it too. He's been creeping. No, he was spying. He saw. He, he knows. He knows. Yeah, he, he has those screens. He knows. Oh, I don't like it. I gotta be honest. I don't like that at all. But that's what we've talked about already before. Um, gross. But the lyrics are cool. Yeah, the lyrics are cool. And so we get a little bit of, of Taylor talk here. We talk about Zach and Emma. Great talk uh, show, Taylor talk. Love Taylor talk. <laughs> Bernard was a great host. Uh, really got to gotta uh, get get Bernard another job on uh, on the down the hatch lost radio beach. Yeah, I mean, Anna Lucia had it for a while, but I think then she wanted out of her contract. So then they sort of cycled through a bunch of hoes. Bernard yeah, is the Bernard one that was sort of left Boone, over. A great two-hander on that radio on Taylor they Talk. Never, they could never really see eye to eye. They said, no, I'm the host of Oceanic yeah. 815. <laughs> talk, talk with Taylor's. <laughs> yeah, W815. Talk with Taylor's. Uh, so basically, you know, Juliet is, is saying, okay, well, Goodwin's got everyone on the list. Now we can come back. And Ben is really saying in a manner of speaking, oh, no, no, no. He's never coming back. And he does, I think, try to put a wedge between them even further, not even physically, but emotionally by bringing up Anna Lucia. And I think at least my read is that he's trying to hint towards, oh, Goodwin's moved on from you. He always has interest in this Anna Lucia woman. So maybe yeah, you should forget I about him. So. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's what he's going for. Um, it's, you know, prelude to worse stuff. Uh, we will get there momentary. Uh, first, we go with Juliet into the Tempest. Uh, we go with her into the Tempest and we see uh, everything from her perspective as she sees uh, the, the alarms are blaring and Charlotte's there and Daniel's there. And Daniel's like, actually, could you just like give me maybe two minutes? If you give me like one minute even because this thing's going to blow. I just want to make it safe. And little does she know that right behind her is Charlotte with the pipe in the Tempest. They should really make Lost Clue, the more that I think about it. Make it, like the, blast door, make it like the bl the Blast Door map where... Yeah, exactly. Make, call it Miss Clue, where every <laughs> room is a different Dharma station, and then yeah. you can have various weapons. It could be a gun, could be the smoke monster, could be a weapon. I feel like, yes, we're probably past the height of Lost Mania, but I feel like it's a, it's a time to do so. Yeah, I think that that works. Uh, I think that that's fine. 
I think that could be good. Uh, it is probably past time. If we could time travel, then yeah, for sure. Um, Charlotte is like, hey, you just gotta let him do his job. I know I knocked out Kate, so I've bought no goodwill, but you gotta let him do his job. And like, frankly, like big demerit for Charlotte and mad ups to Juliet for just being like, fine. Daniel actually does seem legit. He doesn't seem like a liar. She's got good reads on people typically. And I guess like she is ultimately choosing not to buy into Benjamin Linus's bullshit anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, and I think that, you know, at least she's able to convince Juliet or distract her enough to let Faraday stop the, the various guests. But yeah, I think Charlotte has a bit of a problem in this episode with communication and at least trying to get her message across without coming off as incredibly hostile to coming off. Coming off. Uh, so she lets it go down and Daniel goes, whoo, that was a close one. I also like them, the effect of them using the hatch beeper to when the, the countdown happens. I, I also could imagine that those who designed the station are like, tech, right? Yeah, yeah, like, oh, let's just use the same sound they for everything. that sound. They got to get their money's worth. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, we paid $5.99 for this sound from 101sounds.net. We better, better make our use out of it. So Faraday has stopped the gas, and we call that a good win. We also call this <laughs> a good win. It's the body of good win that Juliet shall discover now in the final flashback scene of the episode. What are you reading? Shepard's file. Mikhail dropped it off. He's a spinal surgeon, Ben. He has extensive experience in tumor removal. Hmm. How about that? He can help you. you'd be more excited. What's wrong? I need you to come with me. After our last raid on the tail section survivors, they ran off, left the beach. I sent Pickett and Tom to track their location and they came across this. I'm sorry, Juliet. Sorry about what? I can only assume they found out he wasn't one of them. Guess I should have listened to you. Why are you showing me this? Why did you bring me out here? What, you mean instead of his wife? You knew this would happen. send him out here because you knew this would happen. You wanted this. You wanted him to die. Why? Why? You're asking me why? After everything I did to get you here, after everything I've done to keep you here, how can you possibly not understand that you're mine? 
Take as much time as you need. And there he is. You know, that's just, I've got nothing further to say. But Mike, uh, if, you, if you've got if you've got more to add to this, I feel like I've already said my piece. Uh, take as much time as you need. Oh, boy. I mean, I think you you put it a great way in that. Absolutely makes sense for Ben's character. Not fun to watch. No, though. Certain, no. certainly not. It's, it's, it's objectification. And I'll go back to still what I what I said before. I think these flashbacks, as ooky as they may be, are still more palatable when, in, from my opinion, you view it less as, OK, this is Juliet going through this affair and experiencing heartbreak on the island, though that certainly has its own merit versus, OK, this is a demonstration of how vindictive selfish, sometimes short-sighted Benjamin Linus can be and how dangerous that is. Especially if, I don't know, he happens to get released back into his own hometown with really no uh, no limitations to his power. I think that that's really what I walked away from this viewing with and it played much more palatable to me than seeing it here as, oh, Ben's in love with Juliet, but we never really focused on that even in season three. Because I right. think I think that viewing does really hamper this episode. So again, maybe that's one reason why I think I'm less offended by this episode, especially its its view of Juliet, who up to this point has been a fantastic character, is because one, I do think as as much as it's not positive, it's still dimensionality to her character. And B, it almost tells me more about Ben than it does about Juliet, which which I find interesting in and of itself, or at least a, a nice reminder that even when Ben is, is tied up, and especially when he's not, he can be an a-hole. Especially even in this case, when he takes Juliet to mark the point home, he's going to take he's her disgusting. out. He's disgusting. He's trash. Yeah. Benjamin Linus is trash. I don't think that, like, it. Like, he's a great character. It, Michael Emerson is incredible. But Benjamin Linus' trash should not be controversial. <laughs> Definitely not. Even up to this point, considering what he has done, he is a trash man. He is a garbage man. He is sifting through garbage, showing people garbage, turning other people into garbage. In the case of Goodwin, Ben really digging in the knife here as well by basically alluding to the fact that he just did not bring Harper out. I wonder if it was a matter where things were so on the rocks between them that once Goodwin left. Harper was just like, well, that's the end of that issue. Guess yeah. I'm moving on to my next big thing. Yeah. So anyway, that happens. We've talked it through. It's it's terrible. I hate yeah. it. Um, let me also it let me also do some a bit of backseat, not uh, writing, but I guess structuring. I Going back to the date scene, something that always got under my skin a smidge is that I wish that after we got that Ben and Locke scene of them wa uh, watching the tape and oh, you better you might want to sit down act break. I would have liked if we started the act back up with the Ben and Juliet flashback. I just feel like they miss an opportunity to do a really great pairing there with Ben. Essentially, it's it's in the exact same location, but at completely different times with completely different power structures. I think it's a cool opportunity that they decided not to embrace. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot structurally here that I would want to revise, like basically the whole episode. <laughs> uh, I'd like to do it differently, but it is what it is. Um, so Faraday and Charlotte and Juliet, they leave and Juliet's like, yeah, they were just trying to help us. Uh, they were, you know, I know she knocked you out, Kate, but I've done that too. So, uh, <laughs> and so they're all able to kind of go their separate ways. And Jack wants a minute with Juliet. He doesn't need to like interrogate this much further. He trusts Juliet at this point. So he says, I'm willing to take her word for, for, uh, for all of this. Uh, but I also need to talk to her for a sec. So this is the final sound we'll listen to in the episode. 
Okay. He wanted me to kill them. Then he told me to kill both of them. How can he tell you anything? I don't know. But he knew how to get to me, and he knew where they were going and what they were doing. Don't you understand? These people came here to wage war against Ben. And Ben's gonna win, Jack. And when he does, you don't want to be anywhere near me. Because he thinks that I'm his. felt great about this part i actually like it i think okay um you go first i mean i i just think it's another i know i keep beating this dead horse dead black horse that might be the smoke monster but just stoking that love quadrangle sure we 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 had that moment in the end of season three with jack and juliet we just had an episode that really explored the jack and kate stuff uh really off island as and then the the kate and sawyer stuff on island i don't know if we need more jack and juliet stuff personally especially because they're not really going to be end game sure so i think this is why i like it ultimately um for jack as a character especially i think um is because like jack is like in this place where he's like trying to move on right he's trying to move on from the island he's trying to get everybody out of here he has told kate that he loves her which he does. Uh, yeah. But Juliet has kissed him and has expressed her interest in him in that way. And this is clearly somebody he cares about a lot. They've been through some shit together. They've really bonded very fast. When you think about the amount of time they've actually spent together, it's like really condensed time. Uh, you know, it's like how everybody gets off of a season of Survivor and they're all family now, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just they, they've become very, very tight in a really compressed period of time. Really not unlike uh, the Oceanic 815ers uh, themselves, yep. but even, even you know, faster than that. Um, and so I think for Jack, who's been a guy who has been like, uh, who has been his own worst enemy in so many ways, in the same way that Benjamin Linus is his own worst enemy, um, but in all of all of those ways that that Jack can you know get in his own way and like do do bad things or stupid things or like um, you know much like his 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 father like become like obsessed and unable to remove himself from the vortex of that. Um, I think that like. There's this moment here where like he's not fixating on Kate as much as he can. He he told her how he feels. She doesn't feel the same way, at least not yet. She's with Sawyer. He knows that he's moving on. Uh, and Juliet is somebody that he cares about. And Juliet is a person in this moment who 
who he now knows well enough, trusts enough to, to be like on the up and up with him. Like he can read her at this point. He knows she's in this moment of actual distress. And I don't think that it's like a hollow feeling that he has for her. I think he cares about her in his way. I think it's possible to like, um, you know, still have feelings for somebody and then have feelings for somebody else. This is, these two things don't have to, these two things can coexist. Uh, so I, I read it sort of as like an effort to move on, which mm. is, which is kind of mature of Jack, uh, and is sort of healthy of Jack compared to some of his other behaviors that I actually think I like it for the character. If I don't care about it that much for the story overall, if that right. makes sense, so like on that, like granular level as a character note for Jack, I think that I'm able to process it and make sense of it. Do we need it? No. Like, you know, the love of quadrangle yeah. stuff, whatever. But like, I think for the character, uh, it makes sense for me. And I don't think it's icky. I actually think it's like kind of like a sweet moment um, between two consenting adults who've been through a lot of trauma who are maybe trying to find trauma together. Like, I don't think that she's in love with Jack. She was, you know, she was with Goodwin and he just died. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think the two of them in each other have found people to bond with in like their respective traumas uh, and their respective like desperation to like break out of their cycles and their situations. I think that this is kind of a sweet moment for the two of them. I think it's more so a sweet moment for Juliet than Jack. I, I see what you say with the Jack stuff, but I'm more obsessed with the Juliet side of things. Cause even outside of the kiss, she sounds so defeated. This yeah. is a Juliet that we really have not seen in the modern lost storyline for quite some time. This feels like the Juliet who was crying several times after all these pregnant women lost their lives because basically she just says it's it's useless. You know, Ben is so powerful. Look what he's done in the past. He's going to win no matter what and there's nothing we can do about it and also i have damned this guy as well considering that it's not that uh you know ben is so possessive and obsessive with me that essentially I've, I've screwed you over as well and while i do think it's an interesting moment of jack not only from a sweetness moment but almost almost a moment of defiance as well that jack essentially kisses juliet and then basically says screw him he knows where to find me i'll beat his ass all over again I think the state at which Juliet is, is incredibly vulnerable for, again, a character who in the modern lost storyline is someone who is not very forthcoming with emotions or information. This is a, a moment of true vulnerability to her, where she is exposing her own proclivities, her own fears and anxieties about her relationship with Ben to somebody. And that does mean a lot for their relationship as well. You've said this before. There's a reason why these two are now divorced, but were previously married in the flash sideways. Right. They're connected. They were very important to each other during like a really critical period of time. Um, and so I think like that, like in the canon of the show, like you have to try and make that fit or like, I guess you don't have to try, but if you want to try and make that fit, uh, then I think that like, this is not an inauthentic thing. I think that uh, I, we humans contain multitudes. I think it is possible for Jack to love Kate while also um, really caring for Juliet in a romantic way. I think that that's totally possible and totally within the realm of plausibility. Uh, and I think it is going to happen a few episodes from now where Juliet's like, ah, you definitely still love Kate and this isn't yeah. going to work out. <laughs> uh, oh, but wait, are, are you in love or is that just your appendix, Jack? Are you yeah. just sweating because of that? Right, right, right. So, you know, it, I, I could absolutely take it or leave it, but since it's here, of the things in this episode, I would send this one to Samoa or go, it would go to Guam. It would go to Guam it instead of raining it down with yeah. fire arrows? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, all right, and then the final scene is what we heard at the top of the episode. It's Sawyer and Hurley playing horseshoes. Once again, Hurley beats Sawyer in 
in a game of competition uh, as he is wont to do. And then Ben is out with his sheets. See you at dinner. Yeah. And again, I, I talked about this before. I think this ending is perfectly fine. It again, it's perfectly sets up this idea in these entire last three scenes, essentially underline, man, Ben Linus sucks, but Ben Linus is hella dangerous when somebody wa- is after something that he wants, whether it's Juliet or the island, Ben Linus will do anything, spare no expense, kill people if he needs to. Now that he is walking free and passes by Sawyer and Hurley, Things have changed a bit. Now, look, again, we were not necessarily going to go down that path. In fact, things change immensely for Ben Linus in the next three episodes. Once we get to the shape of things to come, which is a fundamental life changing moment for the character, in my opinion. But at least at the moment the show is taking place in, I do think it's a bit of a big deal. And I think Sawyer and Hurley's reactions are understandable that this is the leader of the others. And now he is walking free right now. That is not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. How about this episode? Good thing, bad thing, mediocre thing. Let's do the rankings, Mike. I'm personally right now mining through some Josh Wiggler data. So I'd love for you to get us kicked off. Sure. Okay. So here's my thing. I, I much like you, really look through some of my previous. I much, li- I much like you too. I much like you too. Yes. We're both great at Ed Grammar as well. I was looking through some of my previous not so great slash nothing burger episodes. I was looking at stuff like, for example, for instance, the glass ballerina, the first nothing burger episode, I gave a 2.72 left behind. I gave a 2.82. I like this episode lesser than those because those episodes at least had, you know, the comedy of Sawyer in the glass ballerina and the Sawyer Hurley stuff in left behind elevate those episodes a little bit. So I definitely like that episode less than those, but If I'm looking at, for example, whatever the case may be, which I gave a 2.1, I like this episode more because despite maybe the shortcomings it has, nothing annoys me in this episode as much as the flashback and the whole case of gun stuff annoyed me in whatever the case may be. So I'm going to put it somewhere in between. And I said, you know what? Let me just give it a nice, healthy loss number. I gave it a 2.3, which, again, I believe makes it my fifth worst ranked episode but considering that my least favorite episode so far and at this point probably ever fire plus water got a 1.2 it is a far call from the bottom of the bottom for me so uh i i struggled as i said before because i had put further instructions in stranger in a strange land at 2.6 and 2.61 respectively which i already know is a skew from most people but like can i like put this higher than that can i put it lower than that like i struggled on where to go and you know the more i thought about it like it's not it's not like the very bottom of the barrel for me which is some combination uh off the top of my head i, I think it's uh whatever the case it's a drift whatever the case may be in fire plus water for me i think is where i have them ranked right now um and it's not quite at that tier those are episodes of loss that i just do not particularly like um this one is you know, fine, totally skippable as far as I'm concerned, or almost totally skippable. So I think for me, it, it goes to that like further instructions and mm-hmm. Stranger in a Strange Land tier for me. And you know, I've got my weird thing for Stranger in a Strange Land. It's got the Oceans Apart music cue. Uh, I have my own read on it of how it sets up the, the through the looking glass stuff. So I think that will, of these three, still be in my first place position. Uh, and then I think like the things that I like in further instructions. I like more than most of the things that I like here in the other woman. 
So it's a 2.61 for Stranger in a Strange Land, a 2.6 for Further Instructions. I'm not going to tie them all, but I'll just, you know, arbitrarily give the other woman 2.59. So those three are kind of hanging out together. Oh, uh, a nice little cluster. Yeah, I would I would probably skip all three of them on a rewatch. You know, I wouldn't I, I typically wouldn't watch them. And I, I put Stranger to Strangeland at the top because at least that's the one that I would think about the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll give it a 2.59. You've got a 2.3. Audience is a 2.4. It is ultimately a 2.42. It is pretty cleanly the worst of season four. And, so probably, and probably will be, I think. And I, I think that's also a big indicator of the strength of season four overall, in my opinion, is that if this is the weakest episode and the weakest episode is still, I think, by both of our marks, not very good, but still not the worst. I think that's that's strong. You know, maybe it also is, is granted by the fact that there aren't as many episodes, so not as many chances to necessarily screw up. We should also mention from an audience perspective It really ran the gamut. 2.4 might seem pretty synonymous with how both Josh and I feel, but we got as high as a 3.5 and as low as a 1.5. So really, people were all over the map, as was talked about before. Lots of discourse in our Discord this past week about whether or not The Other Woman is one of the worst episodes of Lost. I think at this point, everyone out there realized that at least Josh and I believe that it is not for various reasons. Totally respect the opinions of people that do, but also feel free after the fact, after this comes out to send in your thoughts as well to our thoughts and and see if indeed this is in your opinion, lying there at the bottom of the gulch alongside Goodwin's dead body. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, Yeah. I just, I don't think that this is an episode that I would ever feel like I need to see again. You know, um, I'm sure that I'll see it again because I will rewatch lost again at some point in time. Um, But I don't know that I, you know, I I would not go out of my way to, to seek this one out. Um, with that being said, let's get into a little bit of feedback here. First from Dallin Saravo, who says, did Harper seriously think it was a good idea to confront Juliet at a therapy appointment? Is she the worst therapist ever? I don't know about worst ever, but. Yeah, I mean, definitely not the great greatest thing. Maybe she just didn't want to see Juliet anywhere else. Or maybe Juliet had been avoiding seeing her anywhere else that they felt like, okay, now I'm going to be in a room with her. She can't escape. So then I have to confront her about it. Um, from the great Ben behind the curtain. Is this episode better if Harper is the smoke monster the entire time? I think definitely. Yeah. I think it certainly fills in some plot holes about Ben's plan uh, or at least what's perpetrated as his plan about letting the gas go or preventing the gas from being let go. I, I do think that at least creates an interesting narrative and helps pipe Smokey into a season where, for the most part, he's not really a part of it. From Snorri Johnson, uh, why wasn't Widmore on the freighter? This has always bugged me every rewatch. Widmore has always wanted to find the island again and move back there. And he seemingly seemingly found out where the island was. And instead of going himself, he sends a bunch of other people to go and get Ben for him. Why not just go and kill Ben there? I was thinking about this the other day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, like Widmore being like more like move Widmore into the island here in season four rather than the final season, I think is uh, maybe a little more compelling to me. Yeah, even though that probably, I don't know, does that does that give us less Kimi, though? Is it worth it to give us less Kimi? What it might do, Mike, is give you Widmore and Kimi together. 
I would love that, but I feel like with the way the season was going, it would mean because Kimi serves as like the face of Widmore, right? In this in this moment, the stuff that he does to Ben, it, it would if it would deprive me of more Kimi, I don't know if I want it. Though I do agree that I think in the chronology of things, and it also would be really fun if we get Charles Widmore to the island first before finding out essentially what his history was. It could have been an interesting reveal of him getting there, taking it all in, and then we find out in season five a bit more about young Charles Widmore. Uh, from Mike Christensen, why is Locke just carrying around a dollar bill? We haven't really seen any use for money on the island, so I wouldn't think everyone would still be walking around with wallets. Did John take it out of Ben's drawer full of cash so he could give it to him as a bit? Mike, you know I love a bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's the thing. Yeah, uh, like John Locke, this is so stupid, but you know, he comes up with his like, oh yeah, I said I owed Ben a dollar for this bet. So I better pay him. And I'm assuming maybe Saeed or someone tips him off about what he found. Or maybe Locke has already found Ben's drawer full of cash. And we know that Ben had stacks and stacks of various foreign currencies in there. So you better bet that John Locke walks his patoot down there, grabs a crinkly ass dollar bill, puts it in his soggy ass back pocket covered with (laughs) rabbit blood and says, I owed you a dollar. Here you go, Ben. I don't owe you anything anymore. Uh, totally. 100%. Uh, last one from Stefan Johnson. Is it out of character for Daniel to go to the Tempest without telling Jack? Um, that's a good question. And I think it leads us cleanly into our MVP LVP section, Mike, because I know you've got two MVPs this week. I've got three and you're giving one to Daniel Faraday. Yeah, so I think it, in terms of that question, it goes back to, at least in this moment, the freighter crew in general kind of being torn between 815 and the freighter. This is the game they have to play, is that when you're representing more nefarious purposes, how do you balance the trust? And while I do think Daniel has been very forthcoming in previous episodes, I think in this episode, he, ha- he has to sort of be forced to be team freighter even though he's really regretting doing it so i don't begrudge him too much for for not telling jack i think his hand was a bit forced here considering how much you know he has to rely on the freighter but that being said i'm giving faraday a point because he stops the gas yeah he stops the gas he stops the gas if, if the gas isn't being stopped then who knows somebody gets there probably kimi gets there gases the entire island and then we have a big problem so faraday does end up saving the day as it will um, Jim Fells had asked us if this is the best Claire scene in all of Lost. I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a great Claire scene. Uh, I think the best Claire scenes uh, are probably earlier than this. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love Claire in this episode, so I will be giving her an MVP point, Mike. All right. So we spoke about Ethan before. Here's an, an Ethan Rom-esque point for God, you're a bad guy, but you're good at what you do. But grudgingly, I'm going to give a point to Ben Linus because look, he does some grody, grody ass stuff in the flashbacks. But the fact of the matter is he is able to get John Locke to free him. And that is no small feat. So I have to give him kudos right now. He was able to bargain for his freedom. Yeah, I'll just negate that now and dock him an additional point. I have two LVPs and I'm using them both on Ben. I think uh, for the reasons are self-explanatory. Uh, this is a bad Ben, ben Linus episode. I got to give him both yeah. my LVP spots. Yeah, so so he ends up uh, trending in the negative. But I, I just wanted to give him a small 
not shout out, but at least a mention of the fact that, well, he does end up walking around with laundry at the end of this. My other MVP points go to Jack and Juliet. I think I outlined why I'm impressed with Jack in this episode. He's kind of ride or die here. He sort of just like goes with whatever Juliet wants and he's very supportive. Uh, and then with Juliet, um, I think that this, this is a very unfortunate episode, but for me, it like really underscores just how terrible this time on the island has been for her, how alone she has been, um, how, how much she has had to endure. Uh, and even in like a kind of shoddy episode, I think Elizabeth Mitchell is great. So I'm, I'm happy to give Juliet a point here. Mike, I've given you my LVPs. You've got three to hand out. Mm, let me also just say uh, this. This is not Juliet's worst episode. That may be next episode, but we'll get to that. Oh, I, uh, yeah. OK, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. So I'm going to give I'm going all others. Actually, this is going to be an all other version of the LVPs this week. To go to one and done Harper for one, not- assumedly because she was uh, killed off screen. Yeah, I guess so. And the you're other taking, because you're she- taking my ceremonial. Uh, well, she died, dude. Yeah. And the other one is because she's a terrible therapist. So and just also not a very good person to get on with. And I'm going to give the other point to Goodwin because he knew what he was doing. He too and died. He, and, yes. he, and he also did die. And he chose to go forward with it, even knowing the consequences. So his final appearance here, I'm going to have to knock him. Uh, totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fine. Um, all right. So you said Juliet's episode coming up for Gion is going to be an unflattering look. So here's what I was going to say earlier we're kind of like in this this is the stretch of season four that i don't really care for uh, mm-hmm. at least to memory um to memory it is this this run of the other woman g on and meet kevin johnson that kind of helps to hold the season back in my estimation to a certain degree and obviously i've been really high on season four over these first five episodes until now um and the other woman kind of like brought me back to where I've been with it. <laughs> to, but to, I want to cold water on the face. I, I want to walk into Gion as open mindedly as possible because this is another episode that I just don't remember very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you saying that this is a bad look for Juliet and please don't tell me why. Cause I don't know right now. I don't really remember that. Um, my memory of it is very, very, very thin. Uh, so I'm curious to check it out. I know that like Charlotte has like some moments with Jin. Uh, I know like there's like the flash forward and flashback twist that is not my favorite thing, but maybe I'll feel better about it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm walking into Gian as open mindedly as I possibly can. Cause especially cause I know you love it so much, Mike. Yeah, so this episode always holds a soft spot in my heart, uh, much like the soft spot on Gion's head. I mean, I I love the Quans. It's been a while since we had a Quan episode since DOC, and even then, you know, even though we had some King Daddy Quan, the the Quan stuff has been so mired in the Jay Lee of it all that it, it feels like it's been a while since we've really embraced, you know, their relationship, especially in this season where they have really just been in the background sort of as bit characters. We finally get a focus here. I really like the use of flashbacks and flash forwards. It leads to arguably one of the most heart wrenching endings we ever have in Lost, at least at the time when we thought that Jin was actually dead. I really like it as a commentary about how, again, with the exception of the other woman, you can tune into season four episodes and really not know what you're going to expect where it plays with structure. And it has 
a very touching scene that not a lot of people talk about between Bernard and Jin commiserating as married men. Plus, we finally, finally find out Michael's This whole thing sounds like a deleted episode to me. It's fascinating. I'm yeah. really excited about it. And we finally, finally get the reveal that we already knew that Michael Dawson is the spy. Right, 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 right. So we're going to get that. Um, but yes, structurally, I just really don't remember this one other than like the twist. And that has always been a hang up for me. I want to try and move past that. I hope that I can. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to give it to myself as a birthday present, Mike, because the podcast will arrive one day after my birthday. Aww. So if you hatchlings don't wish me a happy birthday. Oh, my God. So help me. Oh, my God. <laughs> so help me. Come down I, with the force of Benjamin. Linus. I baked this ham for all of us. <laughs> You better bring the dinner rolls. Uh, Indeed, we will. Yeah, indeed, you will. Um, All right. So we're going to get to Gion very, very soon. And then we are getting in to meet Kevin Johnson. Uh, And that you can still send your feedback in for down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. Please send it in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. Um, and of course, if you want to be talking about any of these podcasts, any of these episodes with us, join the Patreon. Post Show Recaps. We are on Patreon. Did you know that we're on Patreon? I think we've told you we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps to talk to Mike and I and the rest of the hatchlings about Lost. You can also noodle Mike's brain about the Bloom Files. Mike, your mm-hmm. X-Files podcast with Angela Bloom that continues at this point. Yeah, exactly. I, at this point, the time this is coming out, I have no idea where we are in the chronology, but feel free to check out as well as all the other great stuff that Josh and company are doing here on Poster Recast between Star Wars, The Walking Dead, WandaVision. There is so much happening. March has truly come in like a lion and hopefully not out like a rabbit, especially one that has a number on it. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back next week talking Gion. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.